Hello everyone, this is Katie from Adopting Wellness, and this is my first solo episode. I just pictured applause there, Patrick, so if you could just insert that in. <laughs> um, so, very unusual, this is my first solo, it's not something that we normally do, but... Laura has been slammed with a lot of different things, uh, just a lot going on. So I really wanted to do a recap on 2023 health and just my own journey. And really for for my own purposes, not even necessarily just because I wanted to do a solo episode. It was just, I feel like 2023 has been a very significant year and a very challenging year, like most years. And I wanted to kind of do a look back on the year and also give some context as to why this has been kind of a milestone year. So as you all know, if you've been here and you've been listening, my, I, I talk a lot about my blood sugar. I talk a lot about my own mental health, my own physical health journey. I have, uh, I have clinical diagnoses and depression, anxiety, ADHD, sleep apnea, diabetes, um, uh, PCOS. I feel like I'm maybe missing something, but you know, whatever. <laughs> the list is long enough. And just to kind of set up this entire look back, I want you to guess how many doctor's visits I have had in 2023. Hmm. Uh, I'm pausing so you can hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't know if you know this, but at my pharmacy, well, not my pharmacy, sorry. At, uh, in my insurance website, you can look through your claims and then you can kind of filter out how many doctor's visits you've had and whatever. So that's what I did. My total number of doctor's visits slash appointments was 61 visits in 2023. That includes medical, it includes vision, dental. Um, I think that's it. So it's a really significant number it's a really high number. It's also not probably not even close to what a lot of people have in one year when they have a chronic illness. So if you're just joining, just to recap on my journey, particularly my diabetes, last year I had blood sugar numbers running 500, 600s every day and my a1c which is a blood test that gives your overall blood sugar in a percentage for the last three months was 14 percent which is very very high 
um, doctors recommend under seven. Um, and then really they, they recommend under, under six, but seven is, is really good. So, um, of course mine was very high. I don't know how it was functioning. And in January, when I switched jobs, that was, that was huge deci decision. Number one, change jobs after I had been in a field for eight years in the toy industry. And I knew that I had to change so many different factors about my life in order to put my health first. And I didn't want to necessarily do that, but I also knew I had to. I had multiple physicians telling me that I was going to die young. Those were their exact words. You will die young if you do not address this. And honestly, I think what concerned me the most was that I just didn't care. I, I did not care if this was the disease that took me out because I felt like I was suffering. I felt like it was too much. I felt like it was overwhelming. And it is. All of it is. It's, it's very hard to maintain a very consistent life, especially with someone that doesn't do well with consistency. So I immediately changed insurance in January and immediately got a continuous glucose monitor, which is just a little, I'm sure you've seen people with, with, this on their bodies. Basically, it's it's like a little, I don't know, peanut size, uh, like in its shell, not not outside of its shell, like a peanut shell size um, wearable device that someone has to change every seven to 10 days. And um, it basically just tracks your blood sugar without having to prick yourself because it lays right underneath your skin. It's actually an incredibly life-changing device. I am shocked that uh, not everyone can have access to it because it is so life-changing. So after January, I started to see my A1C numbers go down it decreased to nine in April. And by that point, I was I knew that it was coming down so rapidly that I knew that I could have really good numbers by then by my next appointment, which was in November. So this year, I just when when I'm recapping my health has been both successful and really challenging. And when I mean, when I talk about challenging, I mean, I was sick the first half of the, the half of the year with an upper respiratory infection that just kept kept coming back. I was on antibiotics four different times. It was the same type of sickness, and I could not shake it. The last time that it happened, which was in the summer, my ears were so, if they felt so infected 
But my doctor that kept seeing them kept saying, they're not really infected. They're like on the brink of it. And I thought, like, please just tear out my my ears. I will be fine. I don't want to have this. And it finally went away after about two weeks. And then I woke up one day, looked in the mirror, kind of did like a teeth check, you know, make sure I don't have any food in my teeth before I go out. And I noticed that the left side of my mouth was drooping and it felt really tense. And so I went to the ER and they confirmed I had Bell's palsy and that was on July 15th. And if the, if there are listeners that don't know what Bell's palsy is, it is when half of your face goes paralyzed due to a reaction. It's a it's a physical reaction to a virus infection. And there's really no treatment that that cures it. It really has to run its time. Please take this with a grain of salt. I am not a physician, FYI. Um, but it goes away with in time. Um, physical therapy can help. Acupuncture has been known to help. There's lots of different things that have been known to improve the symptoms. But basically what happened was the left side of my body went, not body, the left side of my face went paralyzed and I could not close my left eye completely it was just open which made my eye very dry and fun fact did you know that when your eye is very very desert dry it actually will not stop watering yes so um I had this open eye <laughs> that will not would not close. When people looked at me, I literally blinked at different times because my left eye would not go all the way down. It would just halfway go down. And that was so slow compared to my right eye, which was fine. And that one would blink normally. Um, so I was very, very self-conscious. And then as as time went on, my symptoms got worse within the first two weeks. And, and then my mouth just went completely droopy to where instead of smiling where the corners go up, <laughs> my left side of my mouth just went down and it would not move. Um, you know, I have really big cheeks too. And when I smile, my cheeks, you know, move, move my whole face. And uh, so I would just have this giant cheek on my right side going up and my left cheek just like sagging and looking really sad. So it was a very embarrassing illness to have it was it was so physical that and, and I'm not used to having these types of illnesses where it is a very visible disease you know diabetes is not at all a visible disease unless you have severe complications um so this year was very challenging because I feel like out of maybe 
I guess three months of the of this year. I have not. I out of three months of the year, I have not been sick. The rest of the year, from like March on, I have been sick in some way. Challenging, very challenging. I still have Bell's palsy. It is probably at the near end. It has almost been six months, uh, which is. Uh, nor I think uh, a lot of people that have Bell's palsy that usually goes away anywhere from a couple weeks to six months. I mean, it, it literally just ranges. And I think because my blood sugar was so high and uncontrolled for so many years, the healing process, which is impacted by uncontrolled diabetes, um, was much slower. So typically the, the doctors have told me typically people that don't have a full recovery within six months, it generally means that um, it's just taken significant amount of time to heal and that there was more damage than uh I guess not the normal, but there was more damage, nerve damage that was done. So they did tell me that, you know, six months, don't give up. Don't, you know, be discouraged if it's not completely still there. It's possible that I could get full range back. It is also possible that I could not because of how long it's been. So you know, just kind of up in the air right now. I, I mean, it's still a weird thing. My eyeball still feels like my my eye still feels very flimsy, like the skin around my eye feels really, really flimsy. Um, and I still don't have a full range of my smile uh, completely. So just really strange. Um, and it's been really challenging. So those are the challenges of 2023. In regards to my health, it was a very mild year in regards to my mental health, which I'm very, very thankful for. It feels nice to have a little bit of relief. But that's kind of leading me into the successes where I had some really big wins and I already talked about my, my A1C um, from the first part of the year in November, I went to the doctor and uh, found out my A1C was 6.8, which is just like the best news I had received in a long time at, at the doctor. Honestly, I was such a non-compliant patient that, I, I, I know my, my doctors didn't give up on me, but I kept getting the same lecture. And, and again, like, I just didn't care. Um, there's, there's an aspect of, of the depression that lives in my body that just says, it's okay. It's okay. If I, if this is what takes me and not a lot of fight for it because I, it's something that I struggled with for more than half of my life. And 
I think, again, that's what concerned me the most was that I really just didn't care enough. And when I started seeing improvements with my A1C, I really started to get motivated. And I had a conversation with my boyfriend who we had very heated conversations about going to the gym, mainly because I have so much bag. I had so much baggage about going to the gym and about my weight and about my appearance. And like, it, it wasn't as simple as going to the gym to like exercise. It was like a full on emotional baggage deal of going to the gym. Like it, it wasn't like it, it's so hard for me, I think, because in my younger years, I just always felt so frumpy in my body. Um, I, you know, I played sports. I was an quote unquote athlete, I guess, for a lot of my younger years. But I still also really struggled. Like I would come home after school and take four hour naps and knew that that was not normal. But I, I experienced depression in my mind and in my body as early as eighth grade. So I was already really struggling and also just being a, a Korean American adoptee in a white Catholic school for all of my elementary, middle, and high school was very, very challenging. I did not know what that looked like. I had no mirrors to really show me, this is what being Korean looks like. This is what being Korean means. I just had to make it up. And I often felt so uncomfortable and just frumpy. I also was a foot taller than everyone else. I was a year t a year older than everyone else because I was held back in kinder I was held back in kindergarten um because I wasn't ready to move on based on my teacher's assessment. And so I was just like really out of place no matter where I was with all of my peers and felt really self-conscious about it. Like, I don't know how many times kids and adults have made jabs at like, oh my God, you weren't smart enough to like pass kindergarten. And God, that really impacted the way that I saw myself and the way that I processed and internalized my intelligence. I mean, I can't tell you for probably all the way into college, all the way into grad school, I was so self-conscious and thought that I was just dumb because I didn't get good grades. I, I think a lot of people thought I didn't apply myself, but I did. I studied for hours. I worked my butt off and just had so much anxiety at school, especially with um, memory recall with exams that I, I had nothing to show for any of my work. 
And I think that that lasted all the way up to college. And I think it was just internalizing this, you know, you couldn't even pass kindergarten type thing. Like, it's crazy. Um, And it's true. Like, and I've always known, like, as an adult, do not insult my intelligence. That is like my one of my biggest insecurities, honestly. So I've always known that. Um, but it really came from a very young age. So anyway, so I say all that to say super, super self-conscious in my body. And I I just ha- I was plagued with this idea of like everyone else my age is just doing incredible things. Um, you know, they, they are being healthy and whatever, anything that I had stuck in my brain about what everyone else was doing. And then there was me that just had no idea what, what to do in a gym, how to, how to eat better, how to manage a chronic illness, all these things. It was just like, I was so hard on myself And so going to the gym was bringing all of that into one room amongst all of these strangers, um, mostly white, and I didn't know what to do and I would freeze up and I would, I've literally gone to the gym and literally walked right back out. I scanned my badge and it went straight out the door because I got so anxious about it. So what did I do this year? I ended up going to a gym. Um, I joined the YMCA. It has been really, really wonderful. I, I go by myself um, and I go to, I take bar classes and I love bar Uh, I found out very, very quickly that I really don't like yoga at all because my body does not move that way. But um, I I do really like Pilates and ballet. So uh, I've really always enjoyed those classes uh, in general. Um, I don't know why, but at every gym, gym that I've ever tried, I've always gone to a bar class. So I, I try to consistently go to a bar class just the fact that I am there, that I show up, that I show up by myself because a health journey is really hard when you're doing it by yourself. And I often feel the most alone when I am at a doctor's visit or when I'm trying to figure out something with my health because I've had this like idea in my mind you know, I can do hard things, but it would be really nice if I had someone with me. Um, and so like going to the gym has always been a piece of that hurdle of taking care of myself. And I've just been really proud, like after the first time I went, you know, of just observing, I mean, I participated, but just observing, like, what do I need? Where do people stand? Like just having all of these anxieties, <laughs> about things that I could just literally ask someone, but I I felt too nervous about engaging. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to feel comfortable in that space. And now I can walk in. I know exactly what to get. Even if I walk in late, I know exactly what to get. 
I know where I want to, to, to sit at the bar and I feel so much more confident and I don't know exactly what that shift was, but I do know that conversation with my boyfriend of really like digging into why I was so resistant to going to the gym. Um, And I want to clarify that he was encouraging me because he knew that I wanted to take steps towards my health, not, not for any other reason. Um, I, I knew that I needed to start like after my blood sugar started improving, I knew I needed to take another step in my health. And I knew that that included movement of some kind. And I work from home. I sit at a desk. I have neuropathy in my feet. Um, pretty, pretty badly, especially at night, I needed to do something. And so uh, I think it really was that hard conversation of figuring out and just kind of laying it out there like, no, this is why I do not like going to the gym. This is why I will never go to a gym. And then now here we are, I'm at a gym. So that has been like a crazy big win for me. And And I'm really proud of myself. I think that it's really hard for a lot of women. I think it's, it's maybe hard for some adoptees. Um, It's hard to start something as an all or nothing type of person and not be good at it. um, And really stick through the awkwardness. I am just amazed at how little rhythm I actually have. So when we're like alternating arms and legs and like, these movements when they have to move together, I am just shocked at how terrible I am. And, and I just have to like laugh at myself. Like literally I have to, even if it's a fake laugh, I have to just laugh laugh at myself because I have to get over myself. And I also have to stop being so serious about myself. You know, like I think there's a piece of, being more intentional about having fun. And, and I I know I've talked about this in the past, maybe not on here, but there is a piece of being intentional about having fun that is so important for adoptees because we, I think the perfectionism plagues a lot of us And we forget that it's okay to just exist and um, not prove our worth. And I think it's really important to just be very comfortable making mistakes and saying it is completely okay to laugh at myself and have fun and it still be a safe and caring and kind insecure environment. Ooh, yeah. So that's something I've been working on. And that's something that I've really um, had to be more aware of and, and be okay with because I often in the past would start something, see that I'm really terrible at it and think, nope, I think I'll go find something else. <laughs> so just being able to 
be okay with not being great at something and just doing it for the sake of having a little bit of fun, even though I look at the time every every single minute and a half and I'm like, is the class over yet? Is the class over yet? Um, <laughs> I'm not the greatest. It's fine. Um, so that has been a really big win. Um, just being and being comfortable in my own skin and, and, you know, I always struggled with my weight. I was, uh, I don't even think I was necessarily overweight compared to, well, not compared to like any white American, uh, weight chart, but I, I, I was definitely bigger than any Asian that I had ever seen on TV. That's for sure. And, Again, I always felt frumpy. My favorite shirt was an Abercrombie and Fitch, and it was reversible. Yes, it was reversible. And it was bright orange, and it was three times too big for, for my body. And I wore it because I felt like I, f I felt like because I didn't look like my peers, who were mostly white or black women, that, um, you know, were very fit um, and or just skinny in general. Um, you know, that was the standard, especially in the 90s, with like crop tops and tube tops. Ah. Uh, that just sounds terrible coming out of my mouth, tube tops. Um, you know, all these things that showed off your body and I just desperately wanted to cover it. Um, there was a period of time for all of elementary, middle, high school and college where I would not wear sleeveless shirts because I was so embarrassed by my arms they were the normal type of arms with the normal underarm flab. And I don't know why, but I had this weird expectation that my arms had to be just like sculpted and beautiful. Um, and I don't even know where I got that, but I would literally wear sweaters, uh, jackets, cam uh, cardigans, anything like it could be a thousand to degrees and I'm still wearing it. My whole face could be drenched in sweat and I'm still wearing a stupid cardigan. So I really came out of that post-college. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy to, to say that, but it was my mid like late, early to mid twenties of when I came out of that. So again, I had this, crazy image of what my body should look like and feel like in it. And so going to the gym and, and being around people that really cared about their health and really wanted to do something, I think I no longer saw as, oh, wow, I don't have that body. And now I'm like, oh, I'm just with people that really do care about their health and I think that shift in my mind has really taken at this point. Um, and it's been really encouraging. So again, big, big success. Um, the third success that I experienced in 2023 
is really recent and I'm still kind of navigating it, but I, I went through this period of time where for many, many years where I had a hard time taking my medication consistently. And I think that anyone that, that is on medicine that has taken medicine understands this idea that when you get off of your routine, it is really hard to get back on the routine of taking your medication. And I don't think that a lot of people understand if they've only taken like one or two medications. I have been on not, I have been on 11 medications for a very long time. And I'm talking many, many years, at least five to six years of 11 medications of all different kinds, not just for diabetes. And one thing that happened in November, no, it was October. I was house sitting for my parents and, and, um, you know, working from home, I have a very rigid kind of schedule. Um, well, maybe not rigid, but I'm allowed to have a rigid schedule. And, uh, I had to house sit with uh, house sit, at my parents' house and dog sit. So uh, for three weeks, so I moved, basically moved there for three weeks and then moved back. But during that time, I got out of my routine. I stopped taking my medicine, uh, just my pills, not my insulin. And I really got out of the habit. And then it just like, and, and normally like shame and guilt just follows me and it just plagues me. And I'm like, gosh, why am I a terrible human being? I can't even keep up with myself and can't take care of myself. And I genuinely just started thinking that I felt a little bit better. And I just kind of wrote it off like, no, nah, that's probably not true. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, and I had told my boyfriend that it had, I mean, weeks passed. And I told my boyfriend that and he was like, I've noticed that you have more energy, that you seem like your, your mind is a little bit clearer you just seem like better, like you have more energy. And I said, really? Like, I got so excited because that I've just never heard those words. <laughs> I've never heard you have so much energy. And, and I talked to a couple other close loved ones and they also agreed. And then I, I was so excited to meet my psychiatrist again and let her know and she also said that I seemed much better and, and I was doing really healthy things for myself and didn't, you know, she was totally fine with me not taking my antidepressants. I was on two different antidepressants, one at night and one in the morning. One was addressing anxiety. One was addressing depression. And... I have been on those. I, I don't really even know the exact year, but it has been at least five or six years of being on some dosage of antidepressants so much that I, th I really believed that I was going to be on 
some kind of antidepressant medication for the rest of my life. I, I really believe that there was something chemically that I needed to be on it because I experienced depression so much uh, throughout the day, throughout my life, and I didn't want to be off like a maintenance dose in case something big happened and then I'm just screwed because I'm not on it. But we really set a plan. I started taking supplements um, that address similar things. Um, I took, uh, she recommended saffron for ADHD. Um, that was the only thing that I really hadn't addressed medically since I was diagnosed several years ago. Um, and so she had recommended, uh, saffron, which I really like taking. Um, I, I think that's where my energy is coming from. And, um, I started noticing in between these times that my, in my body, I would just start having these like, um, high pressure on my chest and it felt very jittery. And so, uh, she also recommended something for that, but all this to say, there were so many things in 2023 that I thought that I had been living a certain way, thinking that I would never be able to do. I would never be able to get my, my diabetes A1C down to a normal range. I never would go to a gym and I never thought that I would get off medications. And in fact, right now, I don't necessarily know if anyone counts supplements as medication. I'm not really sure, but I only have one prescription. One prescription. The rest are, are supplements. Um, whereas at the beginning of this year, I was taking 11 medications. So just really wild. 2023 again has been crazy. And I'm just so proud. Um, and I think it's okay that I say that because there is this young Katie that struggled her whole life trying not to be frumpy, trying to, to um, get good grades, trying to focus, trying to, to be a better Christian and pray this, this depression away. Um, this younger Katie that really just didn't care that if I made it or not. just lived like there was no purpose. And I'm just really proud. That younger Katie was a 
survivor of adoption trauma and spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, a domestic violent marriage. And I think that, sorry. I think that she's really proud of me today. And I'm proud. Not all of those issues have gone away. And there's still mountains to climb. But it's the first year in many years that I feel like I don't I don't have to live in survival mode and I don't have to live in burnout that I can just exist and be worthy to live and not have to accomplish anything besides just existing and being excited about that. I asked my co-workers on Slack a couple, maybe a week ago. What are you most proud of in 2023? And I really want you to ask yourself that. What are you most proud of? Because I think there is so many things to celebrate. Even if that means just staying alive. And deciding not to give up. Even if that means that you had to stay in bed all day. I think that it's really, it's really hard to live in this world. And I know how privileged I am to have access to insurance and access to healthcare and have a stable, good job and a family and friends um, to support me. And I know that that is not something I take advantage of um, and know that not everyone has that. And especially for our adoptee community, like, you all are my family. You all are a part of my family and we have to take care of each other and, and, um, and want to work towards healing 
and um and really reconciling those traumas and hurts and pain <sighs> man was not expecting that but I really appreciate you all listening. I was, I've actually recorded this three different times. <laughs> the first time was just a uh, word vomit <laughs> and was terrible. I basically told Patrick, please. I, at first I was like, I don't know if I'm going to release this. <laughs> and then I said, please don't edit it yet. I'm just going to sit on it. And then um, I knew I wanted to revisit it and re-record it. So um, I think that um, 2024 is going to be a really big year. I think that as we move away from the years of the pandemic, I think that... Um, there are moments of, of breath that I'm hopeful will exist. Um, gosh, those were terrible years. So I really am hopeful for 2024 and goals and, uh, how do we from our pain and our trauma and and how do we take steps to healing and what does that look like for you and um how can we support you as adopting wellness um yeah we love you i wish laura was here i just want to say that laura is um a champion mom and um uh, friend and she is a uh, a bitch boss that's what we that's what we <laughs> that's uh totally from ted lasso um oh my god we should do a biscuits with the boss anyway it's fine um just killing it over in in tahoe and um if y'all don't know please go support her and her mom in her new business uh blue bear apothecary did i say that right i feel like i say that word wrong every single time anyway um amazing candles amazing product um they also have a skin care body care line um i basically have I think almost all of the product um, as far as like different categories and they smell so good. And they're like the right amount of smell too. Um, but anyway, go support our friend. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope you have a wonderful new year and um, just really looking forward to what next year brings and be safe y'all love you 